Pastor Craig Rochelle has a saying that I love. He says this, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. Success in life rarely comes from just going along to get along, especially when you're pressured to conform. Author and speaker Benjamin Hardy, he wrote this. He said, the number one regret of the dying is that they didn't have the courage to live the life they wanted, but instead did what others expected. Daniel, from the Old Testament, didn't die with any regrets. He rarely conformed to the expectations of the crowd. For the next few weeks, we're gathering in groups as a church to study this Old Testament character named Daniel. So in our groups during the week, and then from our messages here from the platform, we are looking at this incredible person, this crazy one named Daniel, this one who didn't give in to the pressure to conform. A number of months ago, Pastor Hannah, who was leading us in the worship Uh, This morning, Pastor Hannah also serves as our group's pastor, and she was praying and she was asking God, what do we study in the month of October, November? Like, what are we going to, what are we going to work on as a church? Where are we going to focus our groups? And I am convinced she asked us all on the staff, please pray, pray, pray. So we prayed and I'm convinced that God showed her and led her to this series called Unshakable. Daniel was an unshakable character. He lived in a time of incredible turbulence, incredible violence, incredible change. He was born in Jerusalem, and when he was a teenager, he was the age of some of you guys right down here in the front row, this guy Daniel. When he was a teenager, the king of Babylon invaded the city of Jerusalem, fought and won a war, and then carried off the best and the brightest from Jerusalem. So this is a modern map. It shows where uh, Israel and Iraq are today. But in Daniel's time, and this is around 600 BC, he was carried off back to Babylon from Jerusalem. And it was a long journey. He's a teenager. The king of Babylon had invaded. He beat the Egyptians. Then he beat the people in Judah. And so now he was in charge. And Daniel was brought back to what is now modern day Iraq. Chances are, somewhere along the line, some of you have heard about Daniel in the lion's den, or how Daniel interpreted the dreams for the king of Babylon. He was one of the crazy ones, because he refused to give in to the pressure to conform. He didn't just go along to get along. So the next few weeks, we're in this group's campaign called Unshakable. If you've joined a group, you're doing something that few people do. Because from that quote from Pastor Groeschel, he said, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, do what few people do. So if you've joined a group, you've done what few people do when you take the aggregate. When you take all of the people in North America right now, not very many join uh, a study group in their church. And you've done something really cool. If you haven't joined yet, it's not too late. It is definitely not too late. Pastor Hannah will be in the Hospitality Boulevard right after this service to help you sign up for a group. And we've got groups all through the week. I mean, I open up this little catalog. 
see these beautiful faces, they're everywhere, right? So chances are you can find a group, and Pastor Hannah will be in the Hospitality Boulevard. She will be there to help you. Daniel chapter 1 tells the story of how Daniel didn't just go along to get along. He didn't give in to the pressure to conform. In many ways, Daniel was fortunate. He was like our young people. He was bright. He had the best of education. He had incredible parents, just like you guys, right, down here. Incredible parents. Yeah, okay, good. You got that, right? You can whisper that to each other if you want to right now. He had it all. He had so many things. He was fortunate. Uh, He was chosen to enter the service of the king of Babylon, so all the unfortunate events of war and violence, he's carried back to Babylon because he's one of the elite kids. And so he's given this chance to join the court of the king of Babylon. And the servants of the king were given orders to give these young people the best food and wine for their physical development. The king wanted these people to serve in his court. He was building an empire, right? So everywhere he went, he took the best and the brightest young people and he was putting them together. And he was making sure that he had the best and the brightest who could go back and represent him in the various regions because that's what you do when you build an empire. And so Daniel was one of these young people. But Daniel served God. And his service to the king presented a problem. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it's going to be on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Think about the faithfulness of this young man. In those days, when one kingdom conquered another kingdom, it was assumed that the one kingdom's gods had defeated the other kingdom's gods. That was just part of the deal. Every kingdom had its priests, every kingdom had its gods, every kingdom had its idols. So in that day, when one kingdom defeated the other, there was just this assumption, well, our gods beat your gods, na 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 -na, right? That's how that went. So here's the deal. When the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup this year, I want all you Toronto fans to wear those big red sweaters, all right? Because our guys defeated your guys. I couldn't believe it. I went to bed so sad last night, down four to one, and woke up and couldn't believe the score. Anyway, it's early. I understand it's early. You're going to tell me it's early. But when your guys, when, when their guys defeated your guys, that was what the assumption was, that their gods defeated your gods. Daniel would have been expected to go along to get along. Daniel was expected to conform to the new kingdom. Our kingdom beat your kingdom, you're going to worship our gods. But not Daniel. He was different. He was one of the crazy ones. He believed that the God of Israel was God of the whole world. It wasn't just the kingdom God for Judah and Israel. Daniel believed that his God was God over every kingdom and God over every other God. Daniel believed that this exile, this defeat of Judah, this defeat of Jerusalem, here's what Daniel believed about it. Daniel believed that 
his kingdom had been defeated because his kingdom had been unfaithful to the God of everything. They had been unfaithful. God had been so good to them, and they had been unfaithful, and God had warned them for centuries, had warned them through prophets, don't be unfaithful. Live into this beautiful kingdom that I'm giving you. I'm giving you this beautiful land. Live into it. And I'm the God over everything. And this is what Daniel believed. Daniel believed God was God of the whole world. So that God, his God, was not just God of Judah or Jerusalem. He was also God of Babylon. He was also God of the far east and the far west and of all the seas and everything in creation. This is what Daniel believed. One of the crazy ones. Because he didn't just go along to get along. I don't want to be over dramatic. Uh, today, but how different is it for our children and grandchildren? When I went to first grade, I've told you this story before, when I went to first grade in Centennial Elementary School, isn't that funny, I'd be at Centennial Road Church, and I went to school at Centennial Elementary School. My teacher, Mrs. Briggs, she, every morning, I'm in first grade, this is in the early 1970s, well, we'll say mid-70s, because I want to look a little younger. Uh, Mrs. Briggs read from the Bible, every morning. And then she had us bow our heads. We're six, seven-year-olds in, in this classroom. She had us bow our heads and say with her the Lord's Prayer every morning in public school. We weren't conquered militarily in the last 40, 45 years. We have not been conquered militarily in Canada, but somehow it seems like the Babylonians have taken over many of our schools. Because would that be allowed today in a public school? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But Daniel was willing to stand out. He was willing to be set apart. In, for our children today, there's a, a phrase that I just heard about from uh, an author who does research for the Barna Research Group. He said that our children are now living in what's called digital Babylon. So we haven't been taken over militarily, but we've certainly been taken over digitally. Uh, online has been taken over, everything in the digital world, and we live in this digital Babylon. Your children and grandchildren, they live in a time when to stand for Christ, as the old song, Sunday school song that some of you used to sing goes, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, right? For our children and grandchildren to do that, that's much more difficult for them than it was for us in our time. And that wasn't easy 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago to stand out, but it's even tougher today. And Daniel didn't just go along to get along, and we're praying that the children of Centennial Road Church don't just go along to get along. We're praying that all of us in C Road aren't just going along to get along, that we don't give in to the pressure to conform. Most of us, many of us in this society, we would prefer just to blend in rather than stand out. It's just easier, isn't it? It's just easier sometimes to go along to get along. Let me tell you how I know that. I know that because that happens to all of us from time to time. I was in a church recently. I won't name which one, but I was in a church recently. And in my, in my role with overseeing churches that I'm living into and uh, enjoying, uh, you have to take a lot of pictures, right? I'm not a great picture taker, but I'm getting better. So I walked outside to take a picture of this facility that was being dedicated, right? So I walked outside, and I walked out, and I had to get back into the grass, and I take this picture of this facility, 
I walk into the church, I don't think anything about it until I'm standing in the front row, the pastor of the church is beside me, other pastors of, our, of other churches of ours are standing on this side of me, there's a couple over here that are pastors from the community, and all of a sudden I just kind of go, and I'm like, something's really stinking in here, right? And all of a sudden I realized, oh no, I stepped in the grass. Oh no, I stepped in dog, let's call it poo, right? I'm just like, oh no. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, I got a choice here, right? I've got a choice. I can go along to get along, which is exactly what I did. I did not want to stand out. I didn't want, so I am just sitting there going, I know everybody around me right now is wondering where is this awful stench coming from? I knew it was coming from my shoes in that moment, but what did I do? I just went along to get along, right? You just go along to get along because it's a whole lot easier than standing out. Nobody mentioned it in the service. I am, you know, but you go along to get along. And you know what? That's what most of us do in all of life. We just think it's just safer, right? I'm not going to stand out. Now, if that happened to you today, just go along to get along. It's okay, right? Just go along to get along. But going along to get along all the time is, is not what we need to do spiritually. And that's not what Daniel did. And you wonder, well, what was the big deal with Daniel? Why was it a big deal for him to eat the royal food? Like, who cares? It's just food, right? Why, could, why was that a big deal? The reason it was a big deal to Daniel, it was a conscience issue for him. He had a God conscience. He didn't want to eat from the food at the king's table because most likely it had been sacrificed to idols. They were false gods. And Daniel, he would have rather just eaten vegetables and water than eat the best steak and wine if it indicated worship to a false god. This is why Daniel said, I don't want to defile myself. I am going to stand out. I'm going to be one of the crazy ones. I'm not just going to conform to the pressure. And I love this story of Daniel because all of us need it. We live in this time where we need the same kind of perspective. If you're a grandparent, your life may be relatively stable, but I can promise you that the lives of your grandchildren are far from it. They are facing pressure every day to conform to a world that is changing so fast that even if they conform, they might still get left behind. How can the story of Daniel and the broader teachings of Jesus help all of us, younger and older alike, know how to deal with the pressures to conform in a world full of chaos? I want to give you a two-word answer to that question, and the two-word answer that Daniel would give you, it's the same answer he would say. The same two words that Jesus would give you, and it's the same two words that Peter would give you. Turn to your neighbor. This is the two-word answer to that question of how you decide not to conform to the world. Turn to your neighbor and just say this to them really in a really conviction way. Be holy. All right, be holy. And before you get off the, the bus of my talk, before you decide, oh, you know, holy roller up here, Bible-thumping holy roller preacher, right? Before you get off the bus of this talk, let me explain the concept of what the Bible means when it says be holy. It's not that you never get to have fun. The Bible's full of celebrations 
and full of fun. And one of the ways we're called to be holy is to know how to celebrate. God's people are called to be a people of celebrations. There are celebrations built into the Bible all through the year. All kinds of fun, all kinds of celebrating. So being holy doesn't mean that you don't have any fun. It's not that you have to be perfect in performance. There's just no such thing as perfect performance this side of eternity. You will never be perfect in everything you do. It's not possible. It doesn't mean that you have to be as positive as Pastor Roger, because he's so positive, right? You almost think he's perfect. He's, you don't have to be as positive as Pastor Roger. You don't have to be as musically talented as Pastor Justin. You don't have to be as good a leader as Pastor Desiree or Pastor Hannah. You don't have to be as good looking as Pastor... Well, we, we, you don't have to, you know, you know, right? You know. <laughs> what it does mean is that you are willing for God to set you apart. You're willing for God to use you. That's what it means to be holy. So in a wild, chaotic world, how do you do it? How do you live this out? How do you dare to be a Daniel? How are you set apart? Let me tell you this, you don't do it on your own. You can't accomplish this in your own strength. You have to be willing to receive a few gifts from God. If you have your outlines, I just invite you to take them and just to write down these gifts that God wants to give us today, that God wants to give you. He wants to give these gifts to our young people. He wants to give these gifts to the, the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings and the middle-aged and the seniors. God wants to give these gifts to you. And these are gifts that will help you overcome the pressure to conform. These are gifts that will help you to be holy. So number one, God gives us his system. And you're like, his system? What are you talking about? These are the teachings of the kingdom. These are gifts from God for you. Matthew 5, 3 to 12 is what's considered to be one of the greatest sermons that's ever... It is probably the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to read this. We're going to do this, try to read this antiphonally, okay? So one side, I want one side to read all of the words before the word F-O-R, and then this side will respond. We're going to read these one at a time. So throw up the first part of the verse, please, Brian. There it is. So this side will read, blessed are the poor in spirit. You guys will read, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to go back and forth like that. We're going to read antiphonally. You'll be able to tell your teacher this week, I read antiphonally this week at church, okay? All right? So you guys, go ahead and start. And all together, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, let's read it all together. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow, God bless you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. You did a great job. We get to do it now in the second service because it worked here in the first. <laughs> Isn't that good? These verses are God's system. These are the teachings of the kingdom. Babylon had a system. And there was a fair amount of that system that God was ready for his people to adopt. Babylon had new sports, new technology, new customs, new forms of money. But any place where the system said to worship a different God, that's where Daniel drew the line. God's kingdom is different. And we're to live that difference today. In the verses we just read, when you really go back, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. All of these things are things that are not normal to this world. That's not how this world normally operates. The world says, blessed are the strong. Blessed are those who are powerful. Blessed are those who know how to just conquer and be victorious. And what does God say? No, 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 no. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of right living. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is a different kingdom, and there's a different set of teachings and we're called today to stand out, to live this kingdom. Think of some of the other teachings of Jesus. When your brother or sister sins against you seven times, how many times do you forgive them? Seven times. Up to how many? Seventy times seven. Which wasn't just to say whatever seventy times seven equals out to, I'm stopping there. At whatever that is. I won't do that. I, no more forgive. Some of you guys are so good at accounting. That's where you're, yeah, I forgave, I forgave. I for no, no more, right? That's not what it means. It means just keep forgiving. Keep forgiving over and over, if necessary, and over again. That's hard teaching. But you'll stand out. You'll be different. God gave us these teachings as a gift. Number two, God gives us his son. God gave us Jesus. John 3.16, many of you know it. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The kingdom or reign of God was represented in Jesus. So Jesus came and taught the kingdom, but he also embodied the kingdom. When Jesus would say in the Gospels, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near to you, 
He didn't mean that the kingdom, some kind of big old kingdom was just next door. He meant, I'm the kingdom and here I am, right? He meant, I am embodying the kingdom of God to you. He represented it perfectly. The son of God who became flesh in order to rescue us from our sin because our flesh is sinful. We are sinful people, not Jesus. He embodied righteousness and the kingdom He rescued us to restore us. And he did this through his life, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his resurrection. Jesus not only taught us the new kingdom system, he embodied it. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of generosity. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. It's a kingdom of healing. It's a kingdom of power. And it's a kingdom of love. In just a few minutes, we're going to receive communion. And Jesus gave us the communion practice so we would stay focused on the kingdom. That we would remember his body given for us. The only human body to never commit a sin. The only perfect person who didn't deserve death. Jesus didn't deserve to die. He could have just stepped into heaven. That's all he needed to do. He didn't deserve death, but he went through death because that's what somebody had to do who was spotless, who was perfect. And so he paid that price, dying anyway to pay for all the sins that we commit, and then his blood to cover us. The blood is what covers us in the sight of God. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He doesn't see any of the mistakes, any of the problems. When you follow Jesus... When you accept Christ, he sees the blood of Jesus, a perfect sacrifice, and you're covered, and you're included through Jesus, and it's through grace. In the sight of God, God's justice will pass over you so that you can inherit eternal life through Jesus. So the gift of his teaching, his kingdom system, the gift of his son, and finally the gift of his Holy Spirit. Acts 2 36 to 41, Peter was preaching to the people. The Holy Spirit had come at Pentecost. It was this incredible day when people were understanding what Jesus had done and Jesus had sent the Spirit and the Spirit is breaking out in all kinds of ways to the people. And this is what Peter is doing. He's explaining it. He's saying, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were heartbroken when they understood, oh, this is what the Old Testament was about. It was about forgiveness. It was about a spotless lamb. It was about the blood. And they're beginning to understand because the Holy Spirit is opening up their minds and their hearts. In the same way we're praying, the Holy Spirit opens up minds and hearts here in Brockville. The people heard it. They're cut to the heart. What shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. What does repent mean? It simply means turn around. Turn around, follow Jesus. What's the first thing you do when you follow Jesus? You get initiated into becoming a follower of Jesus. That initiation is baptism. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That would be us. We were far off chronologically. We're far off geographically. And that promise applies to us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're in this room, if you're hearing me on the internet, if you're hearing me on Mars Hill Radio, if you're watching on Kojiko Television, God's calling you. Today, God is calling you to respond. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt age, this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter was saying, don't just go along to get along. Repent, turn around, follow Jesus. And to show that you follow him, be baptized, be initiated in his name. Tell the world, I'm a Jesus follower. That's who I am. I follow Jesus. If you tell your friends that, you're going to stand out. If you tell the kids at school, you're going to stand out. You're going to be different. You're not pressured to conform. You're saying, I follow Jesus. I'm following the resurrected Messiah. I'm following the King of Kings and the Eternal Lord. I'm following the God who created everything. I'm not my own God. I serve that God. Some of you today, you're following the world. You're going along to get along. You're addicted. You're lonely. You're greedy. You're insecure. You're unhappy. You're depressed. And you're miserable. Some of you are going along to get along. But you know there's more to this life than just getting by. Today is your day. Repent. Turn around. In December, we're going to baptize again. We're going to get the, we're going to get the old tank out. Where it's, it's really cool, right? And we're going to baptize again. Anybody who decides to follow Jesus, we'll baptize them, right? We'll baptize you. We'll announce to the world. When you're baptized, you're just announcing to the world, I follow Jesus. And we're very public about it. It's a public event to say, I will follow Jesus. If you repent today, some of you need to repent. You need to turn around and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Let me give you a step you can take today. A step you can take today is to join a group studying Daniel who decided not to conform to the pressure. Join a group that says, I'm going to be part of the few. I'm going to be part of those who are willing to stand up and stand out I'm going to be part of those who say, I follow Jesus. And I'm going to learn how to follow him better with a group of people, with some leaders who care about me and want to pray for me. I mean, who wouldn't want to be prayed for? Who wouldn't want to be loved in this way? But the world will say, no, don't do that. Some of you have this feeling inside right now, oh, I don't want to do that. Listen, this is the God of the universe we're talking about, the God who loves you. So today, you can join a group. You can receive the gift of the kingdom. You can receive the gift of the Son. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.